Matthew chapter 18. I'm titling the message today as the first Christmas message or the first of Advent. Being a Christmas kid. Being a Christmas kid. And that may seem like a strange title to you. But I love Christmas and I love seeing the response that children have. Yesterday, we had uh, two, two young boys that were here during the time that we were decorating. One was named Benjamin and the other was named Samuel. And they, they, their grandparents introduced them to me and I said, hi, and I'm Pastor Milt. And I said, one of the first things I said is, are you ready for Christmas? And the instant I said that, both of their faces lit up. There's big smiles on their faces. And they said, yes. And you know what? God wants us to have that response to him. Not only in Christmas, but throughout our lives. Every Sunday when we come into his presence and we get to worship him and, and pray to him and just welcome his presence to come and touch our hearts and lives. God wants you to be a Christmas kid. Amen. He does. And I love seeing the, the expressions. Uh, we've been blessed, Melinda and I have been blessed that we've had some of our, our children and grandchildren in our home uh, for the past several years. And Josh and Michelle are now missionaries in the Appalachian Mountains. And, uh, but the, for the past couple of years, we've had them at home for Christmas. And when uh, the kids would wake up, they were living downstairs in our basement, and they would come running up the stairs. You could hear the little pitter-patter on the stairs. It sounded more like a, a wild horse, you know. <laughs> and they would come running upstairs and look at the tree and the Christmas presents. And, and I just love their faces. I love their anticipation. And so I want us to think about that. What does God's Word tell us about having a childlike heart? Amen? You know, on the 19th, they just announced it. We're having our children's program on the 19th. And I love our children's programs. When the smallest of kids will come and they'll sing a little song and, and some of them will act in, in the nativity scene and different things. But I just love the excitement that our children have around Christmas. And, and church, it's not just about getting presents. It's not about us coming and saying, Jesus, you're my Santa Claus. I want this and this and this. It's about acknowledging he's our creator. He's our father. He loves us. And he's a father that will never let you down. Our earthly fathers aren't perfect, even at their best. But our heavenly father is perfect. Amen? And we can come and run and jump up into his arms. And he is delighted when we come to him as a child. Amen? So let's look at this passage of scripture today. Look at Matthew chapter 18. I want to read verses 1 through 5. This isn't a normal Christmas text. But I think you'll, you'll appreciate it today as we apply it to our Advent. Verse 1 in Matthew chapter 18 says... At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, 
Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. The first thing I want us to notice in this passage is that Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting to be the greatest in the kingdom. He doesn't rebuke them for asking the question. But he he reestablishes heavenly understanding in the situation instead of earthly understanding. Humility is not something that we think about if we're going to be the greatest at anything. But in God's kingdom, it's essential. If we're not humble, we will never enter into God's kingdom. And we will never be great in that kingdom. So I want you to think about that. Have you ever asked God to be great in His kingdom? I have. Years ago, when I first began to to preach, I came with a very humble heart, and I still have a humble heart. I recognize that I can do nothing without Jesus. And I'm amazed that He's giving me the opportunity to preach and teach His Word. To to shepherd His people. To love His people. What an honor and privilege that is. But when He called me, I knew that I didn't have what it takes. I knew that I didn't have anything to make me great in the kingdom of God or to fulfill His plan or His purpose. But I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Wherever you want me to go in the world. To the smallest of places, to the smallest of churches. And I will do my very best for you. But Lord, I pray that you would work in my heart and work in my life. That I would be just as good a pastor and teacher and preacher as if you placed me somewhere where I could preach to hundreds or thousands. And that's always been my heart. And God's had me in some small churches, let me tell you. In Wrangell, we started out with 16. I was at Spring Church, we started out with 15. Fifteen, and they were all seniors. There wasn't a child in the church. It was a dying church. But I knew God wanted me to go there. And I said yes. And I still kept that prayer. Lord, I can't do it without you. I can't see this church turned around. I can't see it filled with people unless you do it. Because you build your church, Lord. It's not me. And Lord, help me to get out of the way. But God would would come and he would begin to build his church. He would turn things around. And so I want to challenge you today. Great Being great in the kingdom of God does not necessarily mean you're going to be prominent. 
God wants all of us to be great in the kingdom. Amen? He does. He wants you to have that heart. Lord, I want to be great in your kingdom. I want to do what you want me to do. And I want to touch hearts and lives. Years ago, when I was in Wrangell in that small little church in southeast Alaska on that island, I had a man come up to me, and I was kind of preaching along these lines, and, and I, I made the statement, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll most likely never be a Billy Graham, I'll never be prominent, I'll never preach to thousands and thousands of people. And after the service, he came up to me, and he said, Pastor, I know of Billy Graham, but Billy Graham never touched my life like you have. He w- He wasn't there for me when I needed you to come alongside me. He wasn't there to pray with me when I needed prayer. And that's what I want us all to understand. God wants you to be great in this kingdom. He wants to work through your life. And it's okay to pray that way. In fact, I wish more Christians would pray to be great in the kingdom. Because a lot of us think, God's not going to use me. God's not going to work through my life. I'm just little old me, and you know, I never do much. I just come to church. And... God wants you to pray to be great in the kingdom, and He wants you to be open and allow Him to do what He needs to do to make you great in His kingdom. Amen. So when we read that, that story about them coming, saying, Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And their mindset was totally off because. They thought Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire and, and take the, the, the kingship right then and there. And they had it all mixed up. They didn't understand God's plan. But Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. And so whoever you are today and wherever you are, pray that God would make you great in His kingdom. Amen? Because we can't do it without being humble. Right? We, we come and we say, God, I can't do anything. How many remember Muhammad Ali? I'm dating myself. He's an old boxer. Right? World champ. He's the one that said, you know, I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. And guess what else he always said? I'm the greatest. Did he? I'm the greatest. Well, he may have been the greatest at that, but he wasn't the greatest at what God could have done if his heart was surrendered to him. Amen? So humble yourself. Humble yourself and say, God, do what needs to be done in me. Look at verse 4. It says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love that. If you know that your heart is humble, you know that you need Jesus today, that you're nothing without Jesus, and you come with that humble heart, you are the greatest in the kingdom. Don't you love that? Look, look the next thing I want us to notice is that the, the humbleness is a rule for all of us. It's a requirement for greatness, and it's directly opposite of what the world's standard is. The world standard says, I'm going to fight, I'm going to do this and do that and do anything I can to claw my way to the top. 
I'm going to be positive and say that I'm the best, say that I'm the greatest. But God's word's just the opposite. It says, come with that humble heart. True greatness comes through humility and a childlike faith to trust totally in God. Look at verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying that people will receive us not because of our charisma, not because of our wisdom, not because we're something great, but because we come in his name. Because we follow him, because we're, we're part of his family, because we've surrendered our lives to him. They're going to receive us. I love that. Look at verse 3 again. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a powerful statement. Unless we come as a child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus wasn't just being poetic there. In order to enter the kingdom, we must be changed. Notice what Jesus said again. Unless you are converted and become. Unless you're converted and become. Now some people think that this is just speaking about heaven. That Jesus is saying that we're, we can't enter heaven unless we come humbly and realize that we need Jesus. We need a Savior. And yes, heaven is part of God's kingdom. Others think that the kingdom of God has to do with the church and its ministry. But the kingdom of God is more than that. The kingdom of God has to do with the rule of God. Because a king rules his kingdom. Amen? A king is in control of the kingdom. And so when we come and say, I, I want to humble myself and come into the kingdom of God, it's coming under God's rule. It's saying you are entering in to that presence or that atmosphere or those boundaries where God is ruling. And you're saying, God, rule my heart and life. Amen? We can, do it, we can look at it another way. If Alaska was a kingdom and we had a monarch, we would be different than any other monarchy in the world. It's a way that we do life. And it's true about Alaska. Amen? I guarantee you, in Arlington, Texas, where my mother is today, if it was negative 15, the pastor would have called everybody and canceled church. <laughs> I'm serious. Years ago I was there, and just the possibility of snow. And I had all the deacons calling me saying, we need to cancel church. They say, we might get half an inch of snow tonight. I'm serious. They want to cancel church. Alaskans are tough. Amen. It can snow a foot on Saturday and we'll be in church on Sunday. Amen. It can be negative 40 and we'll come to church. Right? 
We live in a different atmosphere, a different mindset. And when you come into the kingdom of God, guess what? You're coming in to a different mindset, different boundaries than that of the world. Amen? When you come into his kingdom, you're coming into the power of God, where the power of God works in your life and works through your life. You're coming into the rule of God, where his love rules where his presence rules, his peace and his grace and his mercy are overflowing. Hallelujah, that's the atmosphere of God's kingdom. Now notice the word here, become. In the original Greek, it's genomai. And what the word means is being born. It's talking about but we can't enter into the kingdom of God unless we're spiritually born. Okay? It's the same thing that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 7. Jesus answered. He's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. And there were never more than 6,000 Pharisees at a time. They were the rulers of the the spiritual leaders, and, and they, they, they studied and they, they did everything they could to live according to the Word. They, they always went to the synagogue. They studied God's Word. They, they tithed, whatever it was. They strived to do it, and then they would look for others who didn't do it, and they would judge them. But Nicodemus was a ruler, and Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he had a heart that was searching. He recognized that Jesus had a relationship with God the Father that he didn't have. And church, you can be like Nicodemus, and you can, you can try to do all the right things and always be in church and read your Bible every day, give tithes and give offerings, you can do all those things, and there's nothing wrong with those. God calls us to do those things, but they don't save you. They don't change your heart and life. And I want to I read this episode in Nicodemus and Jesus' lives in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, and he's talking to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking about the same thing. The kingdom of God. And notice, to be born of water is a reference to physical birth. All of us are born in water. But then he says you must be born of the Spirit. Born from above. It's spiritual birth. And how does that take place? When we humble ourselves and realize we're not God. We're, we're not in control of everything. We need Jesus. We're sinners. We make mistakes. And we come recognizing in humility, God, I need you. And Nicodemus was realizing this. Jesus was saying, you, to enter into God's kingdom, not only do you need to be born physically, you need to be born spiritually. 
And when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, I repent of those things. I want to live for you. Empower me. Lord, let your spirit come and mold me and make me into what you want me to be. Then Jesus comes and we receive that spiritual birth. Amen. And we enter into the kingdom. Aren't you thankful for that? Far too many times we find ourselves relying on our own judgment, our own wisdom, our own understanding, our own ability, what, what we think would be the best. Have you ever decided to tell God, hey God, I know how do we need to do this? Come on, be honest. God, I know this is what we need to do. You just need to come on and join me and help me do it. What we need to realize is that Spirit of God, that Holy Spirit that comes and gives us new birth, also wants to continue to bring that childlikeness in our lives so that we're always depending on Him and trusting in Him. Amen? So it's a, a continual opening up to the Lord and allowing Him to, to have his way and to remind us we're not in control and we're not all-knowing and we need him. We do. So a child enters into God's will and continually seeks God's will. And it's not oppressive or suffocating. Some people think in, the, in the, their, their hindrance to to surrender to God because they think God just wants to take away all the fun in life. He wants to give me a list of rules. And I have to do all these things. Come on, you know it. I've, I've talked to people. I, I, I they'd say, I'd become a Christian except, you know, I like to have some fun and Christians don't have any fun. That's their understanding. That's their idea. Let me tell you, Christians have great fun. Amen? Because we're children all the time. <laughs> We've got a childlike heart just bubbling up all the time. We're always excited to come in. And it's, it's like Christmas morning every day. Because Jesus loves us. <laughs> God isn't oppressive he's not suffocating amen he's not he's into freedom <laughs> and everything in God's word that he gives us all the things he says now don't do this is because he wants us to live in freedom because if we do those things if you go down through the list of ten commandments if we break those Ten Commandments, guess what? It puts our lives in bondage. It does. If you, if you go around and, and lie and you don't repent of it and allow God to cleanse you of it, guess what? That lie will take hold of your life. Then I, years ago, I had a man come to me. He said, Pastor, I need prayer. I said, what for? He said, I lie all the time. He said, I lie when there's no reason to lie. I lie to my wife 
all the time. And he said, I, I, I don't know why I do it. There's no reason to lie. I just lie. And what happened there? He opened up and started with a little lie, and he never repented of it. He didn't say, Jesus, free me of it. And so when the rule that God gives us, it's to keep us in freedom. Are you with me? So, so they're not oppressive rules. They're rules where God is saying, I want you to live in freedom in every area of your life. And church, if there's an area right now where you're struggling, maybe it's doubt, maybe it's fear, maybe it's chemical dependence, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, whatever it is, you bring it to Jesus with a childlike heart, humble yourself, and he's going to deliver you from it. He's going to set you free from it. Amen? Because he's not into oppressing us. He's into allowing us all the freedom that he created us to experience. Do you believe that? Amen. And my time's almost up. In Isaiah chapter 64 and 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. All of us are the work of God's hand. That's humility. Saying, God, make me better. Make me greater in the kingdom of God. I pray that all the time. I pray, Lord, help me to be a better husband. That was your opportunity for an amen, dear. I do, because I know I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I pray God help me to be a better father. Lord, help me to be a better pastor. Lord, help me to be just a better Christian. Lord, you are the potter and I'm the clay. And have you ever noticed in watching someone work clay, sometimes they get a little rough with it? Sometimes they do. You ought to watch it if you haven't. And sometimes God needs to get a little rough with us to work out the impurities. And we need to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I surrender all. When you, when you look at a Bible story, and I'm going to have to hurry, I've got three minutes. I told you I was going to cut it short. When we look at Bible stories, we're not just looking at facts. They are facts. They're history. They took place. It doesn't begin with once upon a time or in a galaxy far, far away. They're facts, but they're there not just so we know facts. They're there for us to understand the heart of God and how he works in people's lives and how that people, when they make mistakes, they do end up in bondage, but God wants them to live in freedom. 
So when we look at the Bible stories, and I want to look at one really quick. Turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to end with this. It's the story of Jairus and his daughter. Jairus, in this story, Jairus is a, a, a leader in, in the regions of Capernaum. And his da- little daughter is very, very sick. So he's coming to Jesus on her behalf. And look at verse 23. It says that Jairus begged Jesus earnestly saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And she will live. He came humbly begging Jesus, but he came in faith. But there was a problem. We all know the story. There was a woman with an issue of blood who heard about Jesus. And so she's coming through this great multitude that's thronging Jesus. And and she's, you know, working her way through just so she can touch the hem of his garment. And when she touches the hem of his garment, there's virtue, there's power that flows from Jesus into her life and heals her. And Jesus recognizes and he said, who touched me? The disciples said, what kind of question is that? We're in the middle of a crowd. There's hundreds of people touching you, Jesus. They didn't say, that's my paraphrase. But he he said, no, somebody touched me. They touched me in faith. They touched me with a touch that believed. And then he has an encounter with this woman. And he tells her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And then by the time that his encounter with the woman was over, it says in verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And verse 36 says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So Jesus comes and in verse 40 it says, and they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. I want you to look at this child and how she responds to Jesus. And I want you to think about this. Jesus spoke to her. This is one of three instances where Jesus brings back those who were dead. And then his own resurrection. But of these three, one was Lazarus. He was already in the tomb and Jesus called him forth. But here... This little girl hadn't been buried yet. But Jesus spoke to her and she responded. And she lived. And the final thing I want you to think about today is because all of us struggle with this, there are areas in our lives where death comes. And tries to rob us. Death comes. It may be 
a physical death, just like this little girl. And because we've had a loved one that, that has died, that we're just hopeless. We're in despair. But Jesus is the answer to bring life back into that situation. He brings hope. It may be in your marriage. You may be struggling in your marriage and you think, oh, it's too late. Just like in this story when they came and said, don't trouble Jesus any longer. It's already over. She's dead. Sometimes we come to that place and we feel like death has come and it's won the victory and we just need to give up and accept that death has taken that situation. It may be another relationship with your children or a relationship at work. It may be something else in your life. It may be physical where there's sickness or disease that is attacking your body. You need to hear the words of Jesus today just like this little girl did. What did he say? He said, get up, get up. Get up, little girl. And Jesus is shouting to us in those areas where death is coming against us today. And he's saying, get up, little girl. Get up. He's shouting to his sons. Get up, son. Get up. Get up and receive life because he is still the resurrection and the life. Amen. He is still the resurrection and the life. I want you to stand with me and I want the worship or team to come. I want all of our prayer partners to come today. We'll have some up at the front and we'll have some around the back. And I want you to think right now, is there an area in my life where death has come? It's never too late for Jesus. It's never too late for Jesus. Listen to the words that Jesus was speaking to this child. He said, arise, little girl. Arise. Listen to those words for whatever area death is coming against you. And welcome His resurrection power. Welcome His presence. Come humbly, but respond to the words of Jesus like a child. She responded to those words. And we need to respond to those words today. Let Jesus bring life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for these examples of children in your word. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would take them to heart today. And Lord, if there's anyone here that hasn't entered the kingdom of God by humbling themselves and saying, I need Jesus to cleanse me of my sin. I need Jesus' love and His grace and His mercy. I need His strength in my life today. Lord, if there's anyone in that situation, Lord, I pray that in just a moment they would, they would come and pray with one of our prayer team today. 
that they would agree with them that they would enter into your kingdom. And Lord, if there's those here today that simply say, Lord, I do want to be great in the kingdom of God. Or that they would just come to you and say, Lord, mold me, make me into what you want me to be. And Lord, if there are those that are struggling with that death in an area of their lives, Lord, let them hear, hear your voice crying out, get up, get up, arise. And Lord, that you would come in and intervene in that death wherever it is. And Lord, you'd bring your resurrection life. Lord, I just ask it in your mighty name. Amen. As the worship team begins to play, going to take just a moment and I want to invite you to find one of the prayer team and just come if there's any need that you have today bring it to him today come to him like a little child humbly and in faith and trust and surrender